Christian in every UFO movie, for the most part, outside of one or two, aliens have come across as like very calculated, meticulous beings, right? Where they, they come down, they, they steal human beings up, you know, abduct us, all this stuff, terrifying. Do you think there is an alien somewhere out there that is horrible at his job, that constantly messes up when he's supposed to be abducting people or loses track of paperwork or anything like that? Or do you think they're all just like 100% game on right now? I think there has to be a stupid one out there. Yeah. If, if there were aliens, he'd be left on his planet or okay. in, yeah. infused with additional knowledge that his superior race, in quotation marks, could, yeah. could upload common sense, alien common sense to him. So, so you're thinking that they're like a military that that's coming like from a different planet and they, they chose the best and brightest to, well, if we choose to believe that they're these advanced beings that we mm. make them out to be because of their, their ways of travel, I would think they'd be beyond the military part yeah. and it would be more scientific with maybe an enforcer to just in case, just in case, cause yeah. some planets I'm sure the animals get out of hand. So, so there could be a planet out there in the universe that is pretty much just like us, alien-wise, just a bunch of stupid people staring at iPhones or... Yeah, that's just mm. a different part of the alien zoo. You know, if you think each planet might yeah. just be a zoo for the aliens and they come visit to... So we're one and the same. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, they still throw poop at each other. But that would, I mean, I guess technically if, you know, Earth civilization broke off at some point with Majestic 12 or one of those, we'd kind of be doing the same thing, right? If we were going to different planets, when they then look at us and be like, oh, look at these advanced human beings. But in reality, you know, we're over here watching Jerry Springer. and Yeah, they'd be like, look at these advanced human beings that are stealing our stuff. Yeah. That would be probably the difference between us as an alien to another life form and the aliens we like to believe in. Hmm. We yeah. seem to be very simplistic and narrow-minded. They just, we're after resources and money. Yeah, but we look the best out of all of them, like hands down, right? To us. Hmm. I mean, they might think we're ugly. Ever think of that? I did not, no. I mean, if you look at Bristol the dog, our dog, she looks at you sometimes and you're like, she thinks I'm ugly. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's silent judgment going on for sure. Yeah. So it's all in perception. Maybe it doesn't matter to them. Maybe it's a beautiful living being that tells wild and crazy stories about them. Hmm. We just brought them knowledge and they claim we're abducting them and doing experiments on them. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent, but I mean, some of the stories are also terrifying. Some might even say freaky deaky. Boom, I found it somehow. Freaky deaky. makes you want to say it when you say it yeah Deaky deaky. yeah it rolls off the tongue 
And there's actually a, a very good story as to how that term came to my mind. I was in Tehachapi. I was staying with a buddy of mine. His name was Joey Uribe. And for whatever reason, he would say freaky deaky. Like he would be telling you stories like, it's freaky deaky, man. And I'm like, it's what? And I've, I haven't, I've, yeah, I haven't talked to him in like 10 years, 20 years probably. But it's, it's funny because I've heard that term too. Maybe it originates from the same group of people since Tehachapi is not really far. Yeah, maybe it's spread out. But I've, I've heard it very little in my lifetime. And I'm always like, why, why don't we hear that more? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it makes perfect sense. Especially if you're sitting, you're young and sitting at a party. Yeah. But you're not quite to that foul language point. True. And yeah. You're like, that's freaky deaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did have some freaky deaky stories, though. So, so he had, he was definitely entitled to use the word or the term. When you live out in the middle of nowhere like Tehachapi, mm. there's nothing to do but tell stories to yourself all day. True. All right. Uh, do you think, since I've been waiting till the very end of the episodes to say, hey, if you want to get in touch, this is how you do it. Do you think I should move that to the front or do you think the end is a good place to keep it? I think you should put it in both places. Okay. Just like a reminder, hey, in case you forgot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but the end one, we should put a British accent, like uh, a Siri type accent. Mm, just yeah. so when I we know just, just the website to find yeah. someone who could pull that off. Yeah. Once we, we, d we get to the point where we're manipulating our listeners, mm. that's, that yeah, that's voice will sound, you know, the English voice always sounds True. knowledgeable. Yeah, you want to listen to it. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe we should do whatever they say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's our latent view mm -hmm. of father and mother of the United States, England. Mm -hmm. So somewhere we still see them as elite. Yeah. Like we, you know, the aliens are a little more elite than them because they can fly. True, yeah. But we haven't heard them speak, so maybe they have English accents. They do in the movies. A lot. Yeah, just coming down, hello, governor. And, you know, Unless it's a military alien, then it's like German. Yeah, that, but that makes sense. Or Star Wars, sometimes the bad guys were Japanese sounding. Yeah. First they were Germans, basically, is what they connected to in the original trilo trilogy. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the prequels, and all of a sudden, the bad guys sound a little Japanese. Propaganda. Slowly turning us against people. Or we've already been branded that those are voices that are authoritarian based on yep. the history of the United States and the two and, and the wars we had against both yeah. of them. So it's just an automatic that triggers a certain part of your brain to be like, this is a bad person. Yeah. yeah. Just like there's certain music in the, in a movie or a TV show that triggers you to start getting emotional or something, yeah. especially after they use a certain song mm. early in a, like a series or a movie. And then all of a sudden you feel it coming and you know what it means. It means that someone you like is going to die. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're just triggered and ready. And then the emotions hit you harder than it should because you were, you were, you've been branded through your life. Yeah. I think uh, I was actually explaining that to China with the, uh, with like horror movies, mm -hmm. like how, you know, they use like deeper sounds and stuff like that because it, it resonates more. It hits you and you're like, oh, this just feels bad. Something about those frequencies just kind of hit you. Yeah, which, and they utilize that, which is smart. You know? Yeah, it's it, and they they are just now, I think, beginning to really understand the science behind it. But it's mm. something that they've known for a while. Even yeah, if you listen to the sound engineer that did the sounds of the dragons on Game of Thrones, mm. 
and and listen to her talk about why she put certain sounds in there to create the dragon sounds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I see exactly why she did that. It's and she tells you sometimes yeah. this provokes this in people. Yeah. That's a, a smart. I mean, I wonder how long it took to figure all that stuff out, though, you know? I mean, you know that's a time-consuming job where you're like, okay, time to piece these sounds together. I think there were a lot of studies going on from, like, the 50s to the 80s Hmm. that could probably be a whole other podcast of the government working and and many scientists working on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know me. I wouldn't put put it past the uh, the American government or government in general. Or people that run businesses. Yeah. I mean... I mean, yeah, to an extent, marketing and, and advertising and all that stuff. But yeah, it's all every, everything's evil and we're just thrown in the middle of it. I think that's part of being a human. You're like right on the edge of good and evil all the time and yeah. you have to make a choice. And the world we've built around us is just like that. Sad. Or the way it's supposed to be. Mm. It's our yeah. choice to move beyond yeah. our current station. And if it's in our hands, then nothing will ever get done. So unfortunately... In the Buckle end, up. it's yeah. in your hands. Yeah. It's just, is it worth it? So, yeah, uh, all of that as a roundabout way of saying, <laughs> uh, if you want to email the show or get in touch with us somehow, um, there is a Gmail account set up at thefreakydeakypod at gmail.com. And then the Instagram account is at freakydeakypod. So uh, experiences, or if you have your own personal uh, conspiracy theories, wild and out there thoughts, go ahead and shoot them over to me. But also, don't just shoot anything over because that is a little freaky, and I don't want to end up on a list of the governments because you have crazy thoughts. So keep it, you know, within line. Couldn't they also tell us or provide us information that supports why it's not a vast conspiracy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to rip me a new one, God knows I've heard it everywhere else, go for it. And if, it, if it's actual like information and stuff, like this is why it's not, and this is this, blah, blah, and not just like, if you believe that, you're crazy, then, then absolutely, I'll pay attention to it. I don't well, know. I mean, what if, what if they don't rip us a new one and they just say, this is why I believe this? You mean like being kind? Yeah, people, oh, wow. pe- people yeah. can be kind. I mean, look, I'll take your word for it, sure. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. However you feel pertaining to the podcast, <laughs> feel free to let us know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's, let's dive into this. What um, are we diving into? We are diving into the Alaska Triangle, which is, believe it or not, something that I'm fairly new to. I did. I don't think I've heard about, I'd heard about it till I got to Alaska mm-hmm. or if I did, I didn't pay much attention. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few uh, normal stories. There's a few stories where you're like, oh, that is kind of weird, you know. But it's it's not like it's uh, chock full of anything that that you can really get into just in research alone. There's it, a lot of it just kind of. I mean, it, it it just ends up being about the amount of people that go missing in Alaska in this particular very large area. I'll give them that. That's a it's a very big triangle. Let me take your side of the opinion. Yeah, but is it? just about people going missing in Alaska. Well, there's also theories, yes. So you're right. I, I won you over. Welcome to Team Conspiracy slash kind of paranormal, in a sense. Or actually, no, this, this would fall into one of those unexplained episodes because, as I, as I said, I kind of want to do a bunch of those too. You know, I don't want it just to be like, it's either the government or it's demons. I would also like, what happened here, you know? Being 
raised in a time of a of a television show called In Search Of. Mm-hmm. While I wasn't familiar with the Alaskan Triangle, I was totally, like most people, familiar with the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Um, which, well, I don't know why that's such a hard word to say. Bermuda? It's not. <laughs> Uh, there, there was a previous podcast where you had trouble with something pretty yeah, simple. No, too. and I, I, I didn't call I know you it out. It was close. It was close something, but I can't remember what it was. Thankfully, case close. Case, clo- case yeah. uh, who knows? I uh, can't even remember. But I'll, I'll listen to way. it while I'm editing it for sure, and I'll be like, those words. Yeah. Now tell us about the Alaskan Triangle. Okay, let me dive into my extensive notes and research here, as I am wont to do. Okay, so just a a brief rundown of the Alaska Triangle. The borders connect Anchorage and Juneau in the south to Barrow along the state's north coast. And is it still called Barrow? I I thought it said formerly known as Barrow somewhere. I read that. But it's like a super word that I can't It might have gone back to the local name, the original name. Because I start with like a a U, right? I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Yeah, I think I'd heard that too because it's Alaskan native area. Yeah. That I'm sure the name was changed during the early days of of them getting tired of saying that word. No, it was that probably I don't know. <laughs> probably you know people from other parts of the country coming in and yeah. taking control of of that area and Classic. then renaming it. Yes. So okay, for the sake of the episode, I'm going to refer to that spot as Barrow, not as a jab at anyone, but just more or less. If you look at most maps, it probably still says, says Barrow. Barrow. Yeah. All right. Especially since. A lot of people need to look at maps when it comes to Alaska because seeing it on TV, but Barrow is within the Arctic Circle. Yeah. And probably the farthest, I, I believe it is the farthest north part of Alaska. Hmm. Unless there's little islands that. Yeah. No, but it looked pretty far up there, so I wouldn't be surprised. I work in Prudhoe Bay and Barrow is farther north than Prudhoe Bay. It's, it's west of where I work. Yeah. But it's basically. There is nothing there but oil and mining stuff. And when you get to the north of Alaska, people don't live there generally, or if they do, it's in small groups or has been in small groups because it's, uh, you know, now it would be small towns because it's so far north. Mm. The winters are six months long, and then you go for that long without sunlight in those areas. And in some, you know, along the coast, you also have polar bears. And that's not fun. Nobody wants that. No, they're a form of scary goes beyond sharks luckily there aren't many people in polar bear regions but if you watch polar bear hunt they're scary and they're not just looking to hand you a coke are they no they're they would eat a human in a second when other bears usually avoid uh, not today you're lucky yeah the the borders connect anchorage and Juneau in the south to barrow along the state's north coast Like much of the state, the vast expanse within the Triangle's perimeter contains some of the most rugged, unforgiving wilderness in North America. Boreal Forest? I'm I'm assuming that's how you say it. It looks like a a, kind of a fancier word. How's it spelled? B-O-R-E-A-L? Yeah. So it'd be like probably similar to the... Borealis, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Boreal Forest, craggy mountain peaks, alpine lakes, and large swaths of apparent nothingness. Amid the dramatic backdrop, it's hardly surprising that people go missing. What is surprising is the sheer number of people who go missing. Add to that the fact that many disappear without any evidence and bodies, either alive or dead, are rarely found. Interesting tidbit. Hmm. I fly through the Alaskan Triangle. Every single time you go to... Yeah, so twice a month, and generally. And 
there is a lot of nothingness and a lot of huge mountains, a lot of snow all the time of this year. Really? It is, at least the northern part, is really desolate. I, just, I picture, like, just rolling hills of greenery, and like, in the summer. And is it still, like, nature, like, beautiful nature, or is it just, like, barren? A lot of, like, this time of year, it's going to be green mm. in a lot of areas. Yeah. It'll be green. There'll be some brown near where the rivers are. Mm. And white-capped mountains that are huge. Huge mountains. They're just, you know. Snow forever. Yeah. There's a few places in the world where you li- can live and understand a huge mountain. And Alaska is the place that I've lived in. Because in California, what we used to call mountains mm. are tiny compared yeah. to they're mountains little, little in beats. Alaska. I mean, yeah. we have a, a pretty big mountain right outside our window right we now. We do, yeah. And it, that would make a lot of mountains in California look small. And I'm going to miss that window when it's time to move. Yeah. Well, not the window so much, but the mountain, the yeah. view. Yeah, yeah, it's a good view. It was. Lucked out. So an interest in the Alaska Triangle gained traction in October of 1972 when a plane vanished carrying two very important politicians. The House Majority Leader... Hale Boggs, and Representative Nick Begich. They were also accompanied by an aide, Russell Brown, as well as their pilot, Don Johns. The aircraft itself was described as a Cessna 310 and is reported to have seemingly vanished on its voyage from Anchorage to Juneau. Now, is that a long flight? That's not a super long flight, right? No, maybe an hour, Yeah, if that. And it's But if you look out the window of your plane flying there, yeah. there's a lot of nothing even there. I mean, there it's mostly forest yeah, and yeah. like swampy areas. Something I would have never expected before moving to Alaska is... Swampy areas? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's mainly, there's so much water here. Yeah. You know, whether it's frozen, which it is part of the year, or mm. just moving or sitting. And it rains a lot, so that's why it's, it's swampy in many areas. But, you know, Juno's out kind of in the middle of nowhere. You have to fly there or take a ferry. Yeah. yeah. But it's also the capital of Alaska. So that's where Hale Boggs and Baggage would have been yeah. going to. So so you think just with all the water around and stuff, it's plausible that they just kind of plane went down and it, they lost the plane forever? Yeah, they used, I think when they did their search, lasted 39 days for them, mm. 400 aircraft and numerous boat, boats with the help of the Coast Guard. Yeah. And, you know, Alaska has a lot of aircraft probably more than any state in, in the country yeah. And because you have to fly to so many places. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've met plenty of pilots, you know, just mm. in your days since you've been here, whether they probably, yeah, I've met a, a lot of people that just have a plane at home and, yeah, you know, planes that a float plane that sits out on the water, or they take off from a lake or yeah, you land see them flying the all the time yeah. too. Like there's always someone out they, flying. I mean, you see them flying in Anchorage because yeah. there's a lake right outside the main airport that, mm those kind of aircraft fly on and landed yeah. and they store them there all year long. It's a different, different world here, but I, I know baggage is a, a big name in Alaska. Mm. Um, I've heard it like a few times just from, uh, I always thought it was like local politicians. So it is, it's a, there's a, a, a local politician, mm. you know, his son that still runs and does different things within Alaska. His other son is, he's been on the famous show coast to coast AM. And he's kind of a conspiracy theorist that we could probably touch on in another yeah. episode. Yeah, have, him, we talk fly, about Alaska. have him fly down here. We, we can have him on the podcast. 
funny story is I believe he lives in Eagle River. Even better. Yeah. He, have him drive out here because he's probably five minutes away from us right now. Yes. So, okay, I found two different things regarding the amount of uh, aircraft and stuff that went into that investigation, like looking for him, trying to like search and rescue and stuff. It was either 40 or 400. I think maybe officially it was 40. Yeah. But I believe a lot of local pilots were involved. Yeah. And And that's kind of what I figured it was, too. Because basically there is so much area in that flight path to search. Yeah. And then you take into account maybe they were not quite on the right flight path i think that the air traffic controllers were might have seen them part of the time hmm. but you know if you get a little off course like yeah which is easily possible in those small planes in bad weather and, and True. weather well it's somewhat predictable now it was less than and hmm. as you know in alaska it's sunny one minute and foggy and cloudy and yeah dark usually usually when china gets home from work it gets cloudy right yeah that's another conspiracy True. <laughs> There was one, like you mentioned, like 39 days is a pretty decent amount of time to uh, to search for someone, you know, especially considering that most of the time they give up after two or three. So, well, these eh. were famous people. Yeah. Politicians. Though, yeah. Right? Like um, if I remember right, Hale Boggs was part of the investigation into the Kennedy assassination, hmm. a somewhat critic of some of the findings to the point where when he disappeared immediately they're like oh i see what happened well yeah, the, yeah one of the conspiracy theories is that it was made to happen by j edgar hoover yeah 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 because, i actually have that in here yeah so and you know j edgar hoover you just mentioned the name and it's sinister now just out here or like in, 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 in basically in the united states because really? of the power he had through the years people the still FBI visit is, the hoover dam though yeah is it named for him I believe so, yeah. Uh, I thought it was. That's how powerful he was. Yeah. The FBI now is a totally different group than when he ran it. Yeah. Another another episode for the future. Oh, well, absolutely, man. I always take notes. But yeah, like like that conspiracy, uh, it said that this, as it often does, has even spurred conspiracy theories claiming that the crash was intentional and covered up by the FBI, specifically one J. Edgar Hoover, who is said to be involved in a power struggle with Hale Boggs. Now, what kind of power struggle would that be, though? Right about that time is when a lot of politicians and citizens started questioning the tactics mm. of J. Edgar Hoover um, because of all the different type of things he was involved in. Yeah. I mean, his people were surveilling Martin Luther King day and night sending them letters saying basically that he should just commit suicide yeah. before they released dirty information on him. They didn't just do it to, to him. Any subversive group, whether it was the Black Panthers mm. or, you know, some of the anti-war groups, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were infiltrating them, blackmailing them. Aren't they kind of doing that today, though, to an extent? They don't maybe, have, maybe not. As... They don't have that same kind of power, and yeah. there's more people paying attention because when the FBI came to power, they were glorified on TV. They were glorified for all the law law enforcement things they did to take yeah. down criminals. And it was, a lot of it was impressive. But J. Edgar Hoover got so much power and so much influence that he was able to undermine opposition groups that might have been peaceful. Some of them weren't because you're yeah. going through the 60s. And yeah. there were some some violent groups out there that were attacking the United States yeah. at the time because they didn't like the policies, whether it was the Vietnam War, whether it was civil rights whatever i mean yeah yeah you know yeah. and even there's always something 
Yeah. And, and most of the groups involved in the civil rights struggle that you know about had no violence really going on. Hmm. But there were groups of people that had probably been formerly hippies, but had influence or, you know, a passion to further their cases. Yeah. So that's why, you know, J. J. Edgar Hoover was responsible for taking most of those groups down and they weren't in nice ways. So there's there's long stories about him. And at that time, a lot of attention had been brought to the fact that some of the dirty things they were doing yeah. were unacceptable. It had got, you know, the previous years, nobody really cared. But some of these groups and some of the anti-war protesters, you know, people trying to change the world in the 60s, the hippie generation, mm. they started influencing local politicians and, and higher politicians. Yeah. That's too much power, especially in a police force. The United States has its faults. But our basic belief is that we don't want a society that has a powerful police force. And we can argue what that means for days. Once that became known that that police force had power, people started calling it out. Yeah. And eventually someone like Hale Boggs is going to want to investigate him basically and oh. say, hey, what are you guys doing? And not long after that, J. Edgar Hoover left the FBI and they totally changed what they do, where they're more an, a law enforcement group instead of a group that does all kinds of things to destroy yeah. other groups. Well, I mean, for the for the best, hopefully. But Well, I mean, there's still evidence of certain FBI or government raids that are out to destroy certain groups that the government doesn't like. Yeah, and infiltration as well. Like, you see a lot of reports of even just the riots that have gone on this year, either special agents or cops themselves dressing as protesters and going out and infiltrating these whether or not you believe that or not there's a lot of stuff that like even photographs alone you know people have earpieces you know government issue earpieces and they're trying to blend in with crowds breaking windows the whole nine you know like it's kind of whether or not those are just rogue people that like to go and stoke the fire on their own or i would yeah i would think that most if, especially if they're cops or fbi they're yeah. mostly rogue agents that have that similar they have a similar view of what they want to happen and how they want to sidetrack these protests yeah yeah crazy world we live in maybe it's time to uh have stronger background checks on some of these uh these people it's hard to it's hard to tell those type of things at this point that, yep. that you can because uh, the fbi has one of the strongest back check background checks but it, there's certain traits that are hard to hard to weed out at that level possibly i i don't remember the story off the top of my head but i remember hearing one about someone no it's not even worth mentioning because i can't remember like hardly any of the details pretty much it, it seemed like it was really easy for this guy to get a job at the fbi i'm sure there's cases like that yeah but that is also the same for pretty much everything yeah you sometimes know? you sit at work and you're like how did this person get that job yeah they're such an idiot. But back to the Alaskan Triangle. Yeah. So that, okay, that was the main one that kind of like jumpstarted things. Although I did find some that were from earlier than that. Just to, to kind of break this off and go into some of the possible explanations or like reasons and strange events and stuff that have happened within this triangle in Alaska. Uh, number one would probably be like missing people alone kind of points to the fact like and granted this is Alaska it's it's giant and a lot of people come here and they don't expect it to be as difficult as it as it is to like traverse and go exploring and all this stuff so I'm taking that into calculation as well to where it's like okay yeah maybe there's just a bunch of idiots that came out here thinking that they could you know go hike in the wilderness and everything would be fine but ended up getting lost or dying or whatever you know so so yeah 
I think that's a, that that's probably and and to put it on people just coming up here. I mean, hmm. we live kind of in a in a city environment in yeah. Alaska. We're kind of a suburb of Anchorage. There's a lot of wilderness here, and a lot of the places people live, even where we're at, hmm. in this this little group of tract homes, we have bears walking through. Yeah, you know, and there's a river down the way. If you fall in and don't get out right away, you're just gonna drown because the yeah. rivers are so cold here. Um, and the currents are so crazy. It's it's a harsh and dangerous place. We do have a lot of missing people. Mm. I think um, one of the stats I read was four people in every thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got too. And that's that's a lot. Like, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot because you're like, well, what are the odds that I'm going to be one of those four? But like, just statistically alone, like four for every thousand people go missing. Yeah, well, no. and you look at like in 2007, 2,833 people who were reported missing in Alaska. Hmm. Um, and at that time, the, the entire state only had an overall population of 670,000 people. Yeah. So that's where you get like the four. Um, four for every, yeah. yeah. And these, a, a lot of these, these people never, never were found again. So yeah. it's, it's. And then, you know, during certain times you throw in a, a serial killer like Robert, Robert Hansen. Yeah. And he's knocking out more than four. Yeah. Mm. And living and working in Anchorage. Yeah. Known by people that still are in the state that'll tell you stories about him. Yeah. That is kind of weird. It's weird that it's like, we're not too far removed from that, you know? No. I mean, you go down Muldoon and that's where his little shop was. Yeah. And I have a, somebody I work with who played in the shop as a child. Creepy. Because their parents had a business right across the street or yeah. right next to them. See, the Alaska Triangle keeps taking us off in other tangents. Today. I know. Well, yeah, Alaska in general, is, there's just a lot of crazy things that, that have gone on out here. Yes. Yeah. So the missing people. It makes like, sense. It, it, yeah, it, it could make sense. Like, it, And it could account for 100% of this. Like, It could just be that people either get lost, get eaten by bears, or you know, fall off cliffs and... Yeah. never be seen again or swamps as you mentioned exist out here which i've never known right so yeah that's that's the the big one and and like i said i'm not even a huge on the bermuda triangle like i'm not a big it's real you know like to me it, it's not really a huge thing so so finding out about this i'm like oh it's probably just the exact same thing that happens over there you know there's a few stories you hear where you're like damn that does sound nuts i don't know if i could believe they just happened to go under and no one saw them again but yeah so it's kind of the same out here like this is more or less just interesting and not something that I 100%, which is rare because I'm usually super into anything crazy and out there. There's, it's, it's really easy to find legitimate explanations in a yeah. place like Alaska. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. When you get into some of the more weirder possibilities that aren't just, don't involve missing people, uh, some of the highlights are uh, energy vortexes or vortices. Is that what it would be? It could be both. Yeah. In this, yeah, vortex, which is one of the theories behind the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Which, and I, and I looked into, um, like, I had to go on some weird websites to get information about energy and, you know, aligning our chakras and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> essentially, the swirling centers of energy that radiate in a spiraling cone shape, creating positive and negative energy. So that's a rundown of what a vortex is, right? These vortices are believed to affect human beings. For instance, a positive vortex could be used for meditation or healing and self-exploration. 
An example of a positive vortex would be the Sedona Vortex, which on their website visitsedona.com state, These are places where the earth seems especially alive with energy. Many people feel inspired, recharged, or uplifted after visiting a vortex. Conversely, it's speculated that the counterclockwise spin of negative energy vortices drain you of energy in certain circles and beliefs negative energy vortices are one of the biggest components of geopathic stress creating innumerable diseases from migraines to sleep disorders and worse with the long-term exposure leading to disorientation and hallucinations. Much like uh, Japan's Devil's Sea, people speculate that the Alaska Triangle is filled with these vortices and could play a part in the troubling number of disappearances each year. So pretty much people get, you know, they go out in nature, they happen upon one of these negative vortexes or vortices where you either hallucinate or you just feel like kind of discombobulated a little bit. Get you, disoriented. Yeah, yeah. And so, and to me, if that if that is a real thing that's provable, like, I mean, there's a website visit Sedona that it talks about their vortex like what it's supposed to do so technically that if that's a real city doing that on their website talking about this thing it and it's either a cash grab or it's you know a real provable Sedona's known to be like kind of like the hippie area of Arizona because of that and you know the vortex thing has been a theory for like Easter Island being built Hmm. Stonehenge yeah um it makes a little sense because there's so much magnetic energy yeah. around us. You could probably make some sense of it having different effects on different people. Yeah, I wouldn't claim to say that they lead to diseases and migraines, but you know, we don't really know that much about how that kind of thing affects humans. I would say that even a small dis being disoriented in a small amount yeah. when you're hiking could be dangerous in alaska true and just dis- disoriented for a second or two in in when you're out in the wilderness could be very dangerous yeah. i mean yeah especially if like certain things mess with like compasses and stuff and throw it off a little bit like i don't know how many people are out there using a compass right now but probably not as many as it used to be but yeah. there's or, a compass on your iphone so there you go yeah yeah but you know in some places your phone's not going to work a lot yeah. of places in alaska yeah. it's so fast even if it doesn't mess with your, your compass, there's some, something that disorients you, whether it's some kind of magnetic energy or alcohol or drugs. Yeah. It's going to be dangerous. Very true. But I could, I, could go with, I could go along with maybe things like that in the environment being happening a lot more in certain parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and you can study that scientifically. But the effects on people or the world around that area. Yeah. Probably isn't, we can't measure yet. I mean, just the idea of a vortex is kind of weird, right? Well, it sounds like there's like, it's like, like an energy cyclone. That... Well, it's like the vortex kind of makes you think of like maybe a hurricane type yeah. power, but I don't think that's what it really is. It's just, like yeah, my a... mind imagines like a tornado or something of just energy that you don't even feel or see. It's right. just right there. You know? But it's probably closer to maybe the electricity in the air that helps create lightning yeah which happens all the time and it's a pretty simple happening in our atmosphere but you know it's pretty amazing in it yeah and it does have crazy effects on the environment sometimes yeah very true so 
That's uh, I, so vortex seem always feels like the wrong word. Yeah, it, it sounds too powerful yeah. when it's. Yeah, I picture like a portal to the underworld or something right. opening up, and you know, Bigfoot jumping out or people disappearing, and we call it alien abductions. Could be either one of those two. Yeah, it could be the portal. Yeah. yeah. But UFOs, uh, actually UFOs and Bigfoot are both on this this list of what could possibly cause these missing people. I remember hearing about this particular story probably a few years ago. Yeah, I, I want to say I lived out here when I heard about it, but the uh, JAF-1628 or JAP-1628. Oh, the aircraft? Yeah. I think it would be... JAF, right? Probably. I mean, it's the Japanese Airlines. Yeah. I don't want to call it JAP and get, you know called a racist or something like that so yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and say uh flight 1628 which i i guess i was familiar with the story but i didn't realize exactly where it happened and so understanding that we're in the middle of the alaska triangle right now seeing as how this happened and it is a ufo encounter i'm like okay yeah maybe ufos do have something to do with it that has been speculated with the bermuda triangle for a long time why not the alaska triangle uh there was a great story on this particular flight that I wish I could remember what show I was watching, but went into a lot more detail than I'm going to because the the pilot's, you know, encounter was long enough and he had a very detailed description of everything he saw. Right. Um, but just for, you know, the Cliff's notes here, we'll uh yeah, it was Japan Airlines flight sixteen twenty eight. Uh was a claimed UFO incident that occurred on November seventeenth, nineteen eighty six involving a Japanese Boeing 747-200F cargo aircraft. The aircraft was en route from Paris to Narita, Narita International Airport near Tokyo with a cargo of Biaholias wine. I should have said wine. Yep. On the Reykjavik. I got that one, kind of, I hope. That sounds right. Reykjavik? Reykjavik, that's the main city in Iceland. Yes, on the Reykjavik to Anchorage section of the flight at 1711 or 511 uh, Eastern, Alaska. Okay, what a strange sentence that was. Okay, on the Reykjavik to Anchorage section of the flight at 511 over Eastern Alaska. I made it more difficult. It was actually (laughs) a lot easier than I thought it was. The crew first witnessed two unidentified objects to their left These abruptly rose from below and closed in to escort their aircraft. Each had two rectangular arrays of what appeared to be glowing nozzles or thrusters. Through their bodies remained obscured by darkness, or though their bodies remained obscured by darkness. When closest, the aircraft's cabin was lit up and the captain could feel their heat on his face. These two craft departed before a third, much larger disc-shaped object started trailing them. Anchorage Air Traffic Control obliged and requested an oncoming United Airlines flight to confirm the unidentified traffic, but when it and a military craft signaled JAL-1628, I missed it, uh, at, at about 1751, so we're talking 40 minutes later, no other craft could be distinguished. The sighting lasted 50 minutes and ended in the vicinity of Mount Denali third object where the first objects disappeared captain taruchi 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 taroki you know what the captain now noticed a pale band of light that mirrored their altitude speed and direction 
Setting their onboard radar scope to a 25 nautical miles range, he confirmed an object in the expected 10 o'clock direction at about 7.5 NMI, which is nautical miles for those of you paying attention, and informed ATC of its presence. Anchorage found nothing on their radar, but Elmendorf's NORAD Regional Operations Control Center, ROCC, directly in, in his flight plot. Oh my goodness, I am butchering this one. Whew. All right. But Elmendorf's NORAD Regional Operations Control Center, or ROCC, directly in his flight path, reported a surge primary return after some minutes. As the city lights of Fairbanks began to illuminate the object, Captain Tarucci, or up the captain, believed to perceive the outline of a gigantic spaceship on his port side that was twice the size of an aircraft carrier. It was, however, outside First Officer Tamafuji's field of view. The object followed in formation, or in the same relative position throughout the 45 degree turn, a descent from 35,000 to 31,000 feet and a 360-degree turn. The short-range radar at Fairbanks Airport failed, however, to register the object. Anchorage ATC offered military intervention, which was declined by the pilot due to his knowledge of the mantle incident. I did not look into what that was. The object was not noted by any of the two planes which approached JAL-1628 to confirm its presence, by which time JAL-1628 had also lost sight of it, um, and it arrived safely in Anchorage at 18.20. So roughly, what, an hour after they first sight this thing, they um, they land in Anchorage. The Mantle incident is a UFO incident from 1948, where a 25-year-old captain, Thomas F. Mantle, a Kentucky Air National Guard pilot, died in a crash of his P-51 Mustang fighter after being sent in pursuit of an identified flying object. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, and that was also in Alaska, or was that interesting that that pilot knew about that incident? That yeah. Was, well, that... that was one thing. One thing I did read was that this pilot uh, also speculated that he had seen UFOs like the previous, like a few times before this as well. So they were kind of like, mm, did you or didn't you? Well, yeah. and I do know the pilot faced a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. Backlash when he got home and. Just in general, being a pilot, you know, it's frowned upon to say things like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting being where it is in Alaska, so close to Russia. I could see many legitimate re- reasons for those lights. Yeah. You know, whether he was correct in the size, I, I. That's a massive. If it's the size of like twice the size of an air, aircraft carrier, those things are huge. I mean, you look at planes on those, which are also big. And they look like little, you know, tiny model model planes sitting on top of one of those things. So, so to to say that something was twice that size floating in the air um, and no one else saw it. Well, I would have. That's where I'd be. Like, I think we'd need a lot of people to see it to verify. Yeah. Because what you see sometimes is is not what's really there. You know, size wise, I guess. Yeah. In when you're flying. Have so, you seen any of the drawings that he did of it? I, I have. I've seen episodes of the show that yeah. he talked about it. And I've listened to, I think, his communication with the air traffic controller. Yeah. The Elmendorf NORAD radar was probably top-notch radar because that is there to, to detect Soviet missiles, mm. you know, attacking us. Well, there you go. So, you know, th- they probably have, have the top radar at the time. Yeah. And, you know, being where we are in the world, if 
at that time the Soviets were to launch a nuclear attack. It would come up through, and it would go up north and come probably come through from the northern area. Hmm. So that's why they would have it there, because that's the shortest route. Yeah. Is to come, come across the globe like that. You know, I mean, it's an interesting story because it was, uh, there's, you can hear the air traffic controller, the pilot yeah. detailed it so well. While some radar didn't catch it, the military radar caught something different. Yeah. And wouldn't it make sense that radar wouldn't catch it? Like, how often are these things? I know of some stories where they, they do see, like, the pinging of radar and stuff like that. But for the most part, well, these things are supposed to evade radar, right? That's the Well, if you purpose. think about our, like, our entertainment industry, how many times do we see, like, these groups of soldiers attack, getting ready to go into a, a dangerous part of the world in a foreign country, and they have to fly in low mm. to, to avoid the radar? Yeah. There are, there are, it's not a perfect thing, especially back during this time. It's probably not even as good as it. Now it probably blows that away. Yeah, yeah. But it still has holes, at least according to our entertainment industry. So who knows? But I would still think, especially during that time period, it's probably the U.S. or the Soviet Union with something up there. With our giant, twice the size of an aircraft carrier planes? Or, if my theory is correct, and the government... Underwater bases. No, if they perpetuated the UFO stories to cover up their black ops projects that they were working on and black ops is probably the wrong word but their secret budget yeah Yeah. maybe not even that because but these are like developing the stealth fighters and bombers and stuff like that so just you know defense department (laughs) yeah but they you know they would benefit by having everybody talk about ufos instead of instead of hey i think the americans are making this yeah because it's so fast and so technologically advanced and so maybe they would just fly up to a place like that. And once they realize the pilot was watching them, they're going to do a little loop, make their, you know, whatever they can do to make their craft look different than a yeah. normal, you know, flying craft, especially from a distance. Um, and then there's just a new story out there about UFOs and everybody ignores that Area 51 was used to produce the stealth fighter and the SR-71 and mm-hmm. other things that don't have as many alien connections as we normally think about in yeah area. well you know i love a, a juicy conspiracy one thing i did find interesting though was the the very next day after that was the uh kc-135 observation which a U- u.s air force kc-135 jet flying from anchorage to fairbanks once again observed a very large disc-shaped object on january 30th 1987 the pilot reported that the object was 12 meters or 40 feet from the from the aircraft the object then disappeared out of sight so the the very next day after this guy's report was another report from an entirely different pilot in our air force that notices a very large disc-shaped object and then it just disappeared out of sight so i mean I, i don't know it's always interesting how you hear ufo stories around these different so called energy vortexes yeah whether i mean that was always the theory with or a popular theory with the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. You know, it could just be atmospheric conditions too that throw yeah. things off. But, you know, a, a military pilot, pilot being about 40 feet from another aircraft is You'd pretty, like to think he knows what he's saying. Yeah. Well, that's not flying that close to another flying craft is... It's like, what are you, in the Blue Angels? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. The military can fly formations like that Yeah, for, for legitimate reasons, and they practice it. 
But in general, you don't get that close to another flying craft. Yeah, it's scary. That's not a far distance at no. all. So I don't know. I just, I just found that kind of interesting that, that you know, you, that, that night he sees something. Next day we see something. Oh, weather balloon or what could it have possibly been outside of, you know, aliens trying to siphon off our energy? Is that what they would be doing with the Vortex? I have no idea. What if it was the SR-71 Blackbird on its flight to surveil Russia? Or Is the SR-71 Blackbird a large disc? It's, it's a large, abnormally shaped aircraft. Yeah, yeah it's a and, strange shape for sure. But And depending on... What, like the angle you're looking at it from? I would say the person's mindset. Yeah. At that time period, a different shaped aircraft would make people have to figure out in their mind Mm. how they can justify that strange shape that should not be in the air. And then, you know, our whole life is stories we tell ourselves. What story are we telling ourselves to connect it to a UFO? Uh, And I I think the story we're telling ourselves is it's a disc. I I mean, like, I feel like that has to be like, that's something that regardless of what you see, you should be able to identify that, right? You should be able to be like, that looks like a disc. You would think so. Yeah. But when you see like criminal investigations and see how faulty the witnesses are there, you kind of lose faith in that as much. True. So it makes it a lot tougher to to, to support some of these explanations. And and still, all these years later, we still don't have good pictures. I'm I'm always going to go back to that. I don't know. We have a few. Like maybe maybe it's because I look for them constantly. Um, Well, not constantly, but I, I follow things that tend to pop up where it's like ufo spotted here like i said i I think south america has a lot and i mean even out here we have decent photos like they're not they're still blurry because most of the time it's like a vhs camcorder they look like lights to me and that lights can be anything lights can be anything didn't they do a brady bunch episode on a he did a fake ufo and he everybody believed it was true and it was Uh, so totally fake which could be conspiracy that i'm going to tell you about right now yeah the government throwing it into mass media that everything is fake yeah to cover it up well isn't that what they do already that's what i would do yeah if i was in charge of that stuff makes perfect sense yeah i don't know i don't ever remember watching a brady bunch episode that was about ufos i could be wrong (laughs) but it was from that part of my life, yeah. childhood, where I watched a lot of Brady Bunches, that I hey. watched something about that. Yeah. I mean, and I think they used like a saucer-shaped tin pan or a frisbee yeah. or something. Could have been. Yeah, I've, I've seen, I mean, I've seen a few of them debunked over the years for sure. Uh, to me, but that, that doesn't, even if a picture gets debunked, that doesn't mean that the people that don't have pictures that have encounters or stories are, are not being honest. Like there's, no, there's a lot of stuff that could, you know, cause someone not to take pictures or like, it's not even like if I came up on, let's just say a Bigfoot, my, my first reaction, even though in my heart of hearts, it should be take a photo of that thing. It's going to be, I need to get the hell out of here and I need, I need to move fast or you, your heartbeat starts racing you know, you start sweating, you get nervous. Like your mind goes all kinds of places. So I'd be like, man, at least according to the stories, yeah. he really stinks. I can hardly breathe. Yeah. So if you're ever out in the wilderness and something really stinks, stay away from that spot. But okay. I like, just saved lives right there. True. Yeah. I, I also. Um, at least according to the Alaskan Bigfoot. Oh, most Bigfoot are just carry a stench with them. Um, well, but the Alaskan ones, at least according to the stuff I've seen, tend to be a little bit more violent yeah. toward people. 
Really? Well, that is not which they, fun. Which it said was abnormal in, hmm. you know, Bigfoot it stories. It depends, really. Like, there's certain certain ones where it's like, oh, it's just, it came out, it yelled at me, and I ran. But Yeah. But the stories throughout, you know, if and even in Native culture, yeah. talk about, you know, these, the Bigfoot in Alaska yeah. being a little bit more aggressive or, you know, standoffish. The other ones just kind of, most of the stories you hear are like, oh, they just were going through this area and they got away from me because, you know, whatever. But the stories you hear from, you know, the myths in Alaska or or native cultures, um, stories for years say that they're a little bit more aggressive than in other areas of the world. That is good news. Um, Which is part of maybe the conspiracy part um, theory idea of why so many people go missing. Yeah, well, it is like there's there's one that just believes you know Bigfoot. It's like, oh well, they ran into Bigfoot and they did not win. Yeah, you know, which yeah, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that one. Like I, I, because it is it's in one of my notes. Um, but I just I I can't imagine that you know Bigfoot is knocking out you know two thousand plus people a year. But did you hear the theory of the otter man? Yeah, that yeah, absolutely the Kushtaka. Kushtaka. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it says. Yeah. And what is going to blow both you and our listeners' mind uh, is that that Kushtaka is, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of like, it, to me, it seems like a similar story to Bigfoot. Like, it's really just kind of an otter man, that, that big hairy man, right? Giant right. hairy man. Well, the the, peop, the, the Klingit people, yeah. people, which are, are Alaska natives, yeah. um, live near the, the water, basically. Yeah. That's their name means people of the tide, so... And one of the most amazing animals I've seen in Alaska that I'd only seen on TV or in a zoo is an otter. And now that I've seen him in the wild. Have you seen him in the wild? Yeah. I went nice. to a hockey tournament yeah. in Homer, I believe. And the hotel I stayed at, you could just walk out on the banks of the, the water hmm. and they'd just be cruising by on their back. And they were pretty big. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that, you know, I think sometimes when you hear these stories about a Bigfoot type creature, yeah, um, it tends to take on the local flavor in diff- like the Yeti. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different. So it makes sense that it would be but, yeah, for, the, for but, people on the coast, an otter man instead of a Bigfoot. Yeah. But that doesn't like make you believe it a little more like that all these different cultures are seeing the same thing and just describing it differently. Like, like, doesn't that mean like, hey, maybe people are actually seeing this thing and not just an otter floating on its back down the river? It makes me think humans tend to see these things rather and maybe they're not really there. Yeah. But they've made a connection to how it relates to them. Yeah. In a way. I mean, at what point do we... Where does the reality and the hallucination or the non-reality meet? Like, I, I see my water bottle right here. Is it really here? Well, it might not be an, a, an hallucination. I mean, in so, certain area, some of these areas, I mean, yeah. they could be out in the middle of nowhere and see a bear. But for whatever reason, their mind shows them uh, a Bigfoot or an otter man. Who yeah. knows? I mean, when you're under stress. And that's True. why, yeah. that's why I, we struggle with no real good evidence on any of these. You know, I mean... That you can, any science can study. We can say all day that it's being withheld from us. But. Yeah, but I think Bigfoot is one of those things where there, there's plenty of, ev- maybe not photographic, but there's plenty of evidence that these things are going around, like that they have specific patterns that they live by and certain like rituals and stuff like that. that but what if it's just an animal? What if it's well, just I mean, a, what even, if it's just a mis- uh, uh, forgot about ape? 
Yeah, but which even, makes the most sense to me. Even with that, wouldn't we want to find it and just like quote unquote discover it? Like, like or, why or why are as, people so against doing something because it's called Bigfoot? Um, I think there's probably some people that know exactly what would happen to Bigfoot if it was discovered. Yeah, they would uh, be on someone's wall. Well, yeah, they would give they would give out tags to the rich people go out and hunt Bigfoot. Yeah, Otterman or the Yeti. I mean, could you imagine? If you were, I can't imagine that. Yeah, the the badass that had all three of those heads on your wall, your friends would think you were special. Mm. It'd be like the new safari hunting trip. Yeah, fresh you, out of out of Sahara Sahara animals yeah. to kill. So you got to go. Yeah, it would be the next the level. Alaskan Bigfoot. Yeah, you know, for adventure hunters. Yeah, you know the same. I mean, adventure. I can see it from both sides, but we're still discovering species. Yeah, I mean, so. The most, it makes more sense to me that there's some species of ape out there that we don't know about because yeah. it's so vast and wired while the wilderness is so vast and they're so reclusive that, you know, we just catch glimpses here and there. But, yeah. you know, my, when I used to be a, when I used to go hunting with my dad, when I was a kid, he'd always say that, like, try to be quiet, but don't worry too much because the animals know you're here before you know they're there. Yeah, you know, exactly. Man, you that's know, a good piece of advice. So, you know, he says there's only so much you can do. Yeah. But, and it wouldn't it be the same with that kind of a reclusive animal? I mean, isn't there, like, we just recently got good video of that, uh, it's, I think it's a snow leopard that people have seen for years, but they never could get close yeah, into a that position. That was a few years back though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think I remember seeing that. But they've known about it for a long time, but yeah. because of how this animal lives and where it lives, nobody could get filmed. Or, or good pictures yeah. of it and then they just set up some cameras to, with their new technology and could just let them just show up yeah all this time later i mean that's the kind of thing we would have to do is that kind of thing if if this if there is a species out there that is that reclusive whether it be an ape yeah which is kind of closer to my theory or a bigfoot which is probably closer to more people's theory hmm. You know, I mean, we would have to put out these remote cameras and yeah. keep putting them out. But I guess like the only the only issue I have with the, the whole Bigfoot thing is the fact that there's so many people that have gone out there and had like, encounters with this thing and told their stories and passed that on. It's to the point where it almost feels like a cover up, like where it feels like the government doesn't want you to know that Bigfoot is real for some other reason. And what that reason is, it's a handful of things. It could be. It's anyone's guess. But like that that's my main thing. like why like outside of the whole oh we're gonna go kill him like good luck good luck finding one on your own and killing it you know i have a different take on it i i think there's been so much fakery out there yeah that it's probably fake yeah you know when you look at bigfoot stories throughout the years there's a lot of people faking the stuff to make a little bit of money to do whatever and yeah, there's there's, there's, there's you know, several yeah and then there's so many you go to washington businesses that take you on tours and mm. stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, so I, I think there's so much fakery that I tend to lean toward fake. Yeah. But, but see, like someone like me who has, uh, for more than half of my life, I have been in front of a computer designing and like specifically designing things to look real. Like I can spot out differences like that. I can spot out when things are fake and when they're edited or manipulated in any way. Like now, now people are better at that. Mm. But you go back to the 70s where I, you know, was yeah. growing up and learning about Bigfoot, people making these plaster casts of 
footprints that later yeah. were fake. I mean, look, I'm I'm part of the problem because when I was, uh, let me see, I, I was probably 20, maybe like 19 or something like that. There was a website called cowabduction.com. You go to this website and it's story after story of UFOs that were abducting cows from farmers and, and all these other people. And in my head, my naive, stupid little head, I said, I almost guarantee that I could create a picture, submit it to this website, and land on the, fr- on the front page. And I did. And <laughs> I was on the front page until that website shut down like 10 years later. Wow. Like literally, it was, it was, I took a picture of like a pasture, and uh, there was a cow on that pasture. I took the cow off onto a separate layer, manipulated its back to look like the back legs were floating up, Got a nice picture of a UFO, slapped it on there, designed a bright beam down. Cow was hovering up in it. And literally, they put that picture on the front page and they said, Photographer Scott Walker witnessed this incredible sight. Over, and I forget where I said it was because it definitely wasn't California City. But And it was literally just front and center on that. And I somewhere I still have a screenshot of this like because I thought it was so funny. That me, just an amateur graphic designer, threw together a picture that that got everyone believing it was, you know, the real deal. And like, it wasn't a subtle picture at all. It was one hundred percent. You'd look at it like that's an alien taking a cow up into its spaceship, you know. So it wasn't some blurry photo. It was very crisp. How many uh, people did you send on the path to de-enlighten I mean, it because they saw that picture? I probably could have calculated and went into a wormhole where they believe all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I you believe probably, in, yeah. some of those people are probably in what, QAnon now. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> that's not a healthy environment for them. Here's, here's or the, the rest thing. of us. Look, I probably could calculate exactly how many people saw it because when you go to this website, it had a number and it had an animation or like a video of a cow sitting there eating grass. And if you hovered the mouse over the cow, it'd go and like the spaceship would come. It would suck the cow into space and then the cow would appear there and the number would tick up by one. So if, you know, technically if I would have known what number is at when I submitted it, I'd be able to calculate how many people I sent on the wrong path. But also worth noting, I do believe in cattle manu- or manipulation or mutilation, I should say, um, to an extent. Like whether or not it's aliens, probably not. I would say most likely government related. Why would the government... Man- they can get their own cows. Look, why would the government do half the things they do? It's the government, and they just, I don't know, they get bored. I, I, I've i never been a, a cow, cow yeah. mutilation Have you person. seen some of the pictures of them? Yeah. Have you seen any of the, the human mutilations? Those you, are a little more gruesome. I wouldn't that. look at those, but, yeah. you know, it's I just I just don't see that in a realm of possibilities. Yeah. And maybe that makes me narrow-minded, but it just makes no sense. Yeah. So I can't connect anywhere where that would be a legitimate thing, you know, and weird things happen from time to time. And then we attach stories and beliefs and theories to them. So we're all just trying to piece this puzzle together, man. That's all it is. And if, if certain things, if certain pieces happen to fit, you're like, Hey, you know, who am I to say no? Well, sometimes certain pieces seem to fit, but Mm -hmm. it's only because we forced it really hard. It was close. Close doesn't always matter. Yeah. I am going to read this thing about the Kushtaka that is written out, and it ends in a way that I think you're really going to enjoy because it should catch you 100% off guard. I just like the Kushtaka name. That's it is cool kind of, it reminds me of like kind of Kashyyyk, like a Wookiee. We almost need yeah. to uh, need to name a dog Kushtaka. Kushtaka. Yeah. It kind of also sounds like Mufasa. I mean, it's just a sound that makes us trust it. Sure. The government made. Yeah. <laughs> 
the government name. The Klingit tribe that lives in Juno has their own explanation for the high amount of missing people. Evil spirits called the Kushtaka. I found a couple of different descriptions of the Kushtaka, one stating that they're believed to be shapeshifters, half man, half otter, that lure women and children to water with fake cries in order to steal their human spirit and drown them. Um, the other, though, which is what I kind of lean a little more to, uh, yeah, another prominent Native American use of Kushtaka to mean hair-covered giant. You love them giants. Yeah, is a term to define a, ska a, a Sasquatch. A Sasquatch-like being who lives deep in the woods, often in caves, underground burrows, and rocky outcropping. A description that bears striking resemblance to some of the Lovelock cave experiences that were mentioned during our episode on giants, and a common thread that can be connected to quite a few paranormal happenings, both in the present as well as history past. Giants, dude. It's giants. Like, okay, how many, how many of these am I going to have to connect before you're like, maybe giants were a thing? Like Maybe. Bigfoot could be a giant. Most of these sightings are anywhere from, from what, seven to nine feet, seven, eight, nine. That's a giant. That's a hairy ass giant. Or a big ape. Uh, no, no, because an ape would have died for sure. Uh, a smart, you know, intelligent man beast mix. Now that for sure. Yeah. We can't, we can't mix man and beast yet. We can't. But but there's there's like reports of it being done in the, in the past, which is what I brought up in the giant episode is that they were doing like genetic like manipulation and gene splicing and all this stuff who was they who was they uh i'd have to go back to my notes on that to see the specific tribes you, they were you doing. don't have to tell me yeah i mean it's yeah. like there's always a they yeah but this one you can actually pinpoint as to who humans are really paranoid yeah they always think there's a, a they out there yeah but this isn't like humans this is you know this is a like a, a mythic, crazy origin story. But we would still call them they. No, I would refer to them as their name. I just have to learn it a, a little better, you know? It, I mean, because there's the same thing with, what, like, the Anunnaki and stuff like that, right? Like, they they came from space, planted us as whatever, and we're like, all right, deuces, we're out. Planet X or whatever it is, you know? That's just as, as obscure as, you know, some fallen angels came down and mated with animals and people alike and created all these weird half-breeds yeah or an asteroid hit us yeah or a meteor and yeah. what it because of whatever things they brought from deep space we were able to create life and like millions and millions of years later yeah. we evolved into humans and then we have yeah. an ape out there in the middle of nowhere that's kind of tall or at least when it stands on its hand leg yeah. especially to a group of people that are you know lower five feet area yeah and they call it giants. I don't know how that's more convincing than actual just giants. Because the one I described could actually happen easily. The Whoa. other one would take no. all kinds of manipulation <laughs> from, easily. From, from either God or yeah. aliens. Something. Something pulls the trigger. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the way I described it would, could just happen in this world easily. That's, that's assuming that, that evolution is actually something that is proven. It's still a theory. It's a theory just as much as my weird aliens from outer space or God theories are. Like, it's just a theory. It's, it's, it's thought. It's pushed on us constantly, but it's still just a theory. Makes more sense than anything else. I don't think so. I'd prefer a big man in space saying, hey, I made you. I'm back. All right, cool. Instead of like 
you know, I was a microbe on some space rock that hit the earth and millions and millions and millions and millions of years later, I'm here. It's just a, a, a way of looking at it. The reason we want yeah. a God in the sky is so we're not alone. And yeah. some, and there's some, some big meaning that we don't understand. We can put it on the gods there. Yeah. But if with evolution, it's just a scientific thing. And it feels a little lonely and random. Yeah. And we don't like that because we need patterns and connections. Yeah. That's our species. So yeah. we have, if we can't find those patterns and connections. Then we're useless. We'll, like what's the well, point we'll, we'll make them. We'll, we'll blow through everything in, in, in our path yeah. to make connections because that is what has made us survive through evolution. Yeah. Uh, back on evolution. I know. And like, here's the thing, because... We can actually discuss evolution and not tear each other's heads off about it because, it, like I said, just personal, like my own personal beliefs, your own personal beliefs, whatever. We may not ever agree with what the other person is saying, but I wholeheartedly think that an episode just dedicated to evolution, like the pros and cons, like almost like a point counterpoint type thing. Like those were the bomb back in the day, you know? But then you would have to, you'd probably have to put up with me being all stoic or Zen-like. Explaining, oh, you'd be able to, yeah. Yeah, why it doesn't really matter. It's, well, nothing matters. You know, yeah. it, what matters is the world you make around you. and Yeah. You know, whether... But see, wouldn't that just be backing up from the belief of evolution? Wouldn't you just be like, no, 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 it, it doesn't matter. Even if it wasn't that way, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, really, if evolution is would affect us in a scientific way, Yeah. but day-to-day life... It has no really, Nothing, real, yeah. you know, and so it, it's, we like worry about all these outside things yeah. that none of that stuff really matters that much. You yeah. Know? But I, it, it's even the same with God. Nothing matters. Like. And, and the, and the Metallica song. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nothing like that's, that is, it's, it's in the Bible that nothing matters. Like Solomon himself said all this meaningless. Yeah. And he was right. I've lived. I know it's meaningless. Well, you know, no, it's it, it, it can feel meaningless. Yeah. But. Relationships and connections to people are one thing that add meaning to an otherwise just bleak existence. But is it really bleak or is that just the way we look at it's it? It's the way we look at it. Yeah. Because it's really beautiful. Like what, what, what is bleak is that we go outside and, oh, we have to go to work. Oh, we have to go do this. Like if we just went outside and was like, damn, look at how beautiful this is. It'd be but one thing, you know, like. We talk about, oh, damn, we have to go to work. Hmm. But that's the, I mean, that is embedded in our DNA is to work. Be slave laborers for the No, just, yeah. just to be active. Same yeah. with like dogs. Dogs, take them out and work them. Yeah. They are the most stable and happy and content thing in the world. If whether you take them on a walk, whether you do some kind of training, yeah, 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 you know, when and it's the same with humans when you have to work, whether it's you know, in modern age where you have to go earn a paycheck to pay your bills, mm. or you know, in other parts of the world or in the past where you just you know work through the day to get ready for tomorrow and yeah. provide food for your family, that's what we're supposed to do. So, you know, it's it's just a matter of perspective and on how you look at things, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So an evolution episode would probably go way Buddhist from my perspective. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I there's a lot of stuff about, like, Buddhism in general that I get on board with, too. I'm like, yeah, it seems like it could be a, a fitting, you know? Yeah. It's not, like, I don't, I don't, like, I'm a Christian man, but I don't have to be so locked in that I'm, I just completely close every other belief off or every other thought process off because that's just not... It's not, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, 
Like, what am I, an asshole? <laughs> like, no, yeah. you, you, you've just proven evolution is true. I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so one day for sure, it could be one of those, uh, like non, non, well, I guess you kind of would be researched, but kind of like off the wall episodes. That's just kind of back and forth. Cause is there a conspiracy that's involved in evolution? In evolution? Yeah. 100%. But you, depending on who you ask, it gets weird real fast. So that's pretty much all. <laughs> we probably talked about the Alaska triangle for about half of that, maybe. But see, that's the beautiful thing is it, it spawns off these other possibilities and you get on Bigfoot, you get on giants, you get on Ottermen and and it adds more episodes to the list because we keep walking into other other territories. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I can just keep adding notes, Mike, and this one would be great. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, we went through a, por- a portal and found another yeah. conspiracy exactly. for, for you to propagate like a cow <laughs> being taken into an, a UFO yeah. or me to, do, to debunk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about it. So if, okay, to, to end this on Alaska Triangle, if you were to pick one of the explanations that we're here right now, what would you say is most likely for the the stuff that happens within this little triangle of ours? Okay, if I would say the most likely thing is... Missing people, just tourists. Not even just tourists, it's just a harsh environment. Yeah. If anything, it could be some atmospheric conditions since mm-hmm. we're so far more north. The magnetics up here are probably a little different. Yeah. Then say the closer to the equator. Hmm. That would be the closest thing I could come to a conspiracy on why there are so many missing people. But I think the more legitimate thing is it is a wild and dangerous place, even yeah. in modern times in Alaska. It's it's not easy to live here, even with all the creature comforts we have now and the nice yeah. vehicles. Yeah, it's winter's still, no joke. No. So and summer, I mean, you get out, you've been cooped mm. up all winter. You want to go out hiking. You want to get out in the atmosphere, the environment, yeah. because it's beautiful here in the summer and anything could happen. Yeah. Everything and it does. Whether you're flying a plane, you're in a boat, fishing on the side of a river. I mean, yeah. Alaska ha- has the most drownings in the country. Alaska will slap you in the face. Yeah. And, you know crazy thing about some of those drowning is you'll be standing fishing next to somebody they'll get pulled under by the current and you never see that person again yeah. they, they're not found later it's 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 not your normal state that's probably yeah. why so many people like to come visit and vacation here yeah because it's not like anything else and surprisingly enough uh i am actually in agreeing in agreeance is that a, that's a word right agreeance yes. yeah i'm in agreeance with that um i think that's the most likely I think that it's just a weird state. I think it's very uh, crazy out there. And I think it is entirely possible for anyone, myself included, to walk outside and not come back. Right. You know, fall off a little cliff you don't see, you get lost in some shrubbery, Bigfoot eats you. There's just a whole mess of things that could go wrong, you know. So I'm choosing that even over Bigfoot. Well, I think throw in one last tidbit. Hmm. Within the last few years, there was, it's kind of like a marathon, but it's one they run on hills in Alaska and it was a big group. It was sponsored. It was yeah. set up. It was organized. One of the runners disappeared and I believe he still hasn't been found. And this is where, you know, he was out of sight for a little bit, Yeah, but there's thousands of people around and thousands of people that immediately searched for him and he's still gone. And there were, aren't many places to go, but they think he ran off the trail or got off trail and just 
disappeared. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it's Alaska and, you know, don't watch reality TV about Alaska cause it's all fake. But if you, yeah, for, you know, for sure on that, Alaska is definitely an experience. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't watch any Alaska reality TV. No, it's like any reality TV. It's just fake. Yeah. And you get some crazy personality that mesmerizes people. Maybe maybe we could do an Alaska reality TV. We could do our own show that it was just 100% real, like we're just going to Walmart and But that'd be boring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have the so, craziness. Spoiler alert, we live just like everyone else lives. Yeah. You know? Blame it on the Kardashians. Mm. They took it up to a, to a level that everybody has to try to attain. Yeah. So uh, I guess there you have it. Nothing's weird out here except for Alaska itself. Um, or it's all weird. Yeah. And we can't tell. I do kind of like the idea of the, the vortex, though. I think that's kind of an interesting... You know, like, huh. I, I still don't like the word, but yeah. you know, at, things in the atmospheric conditions, for whatever reason, yeah. have... Stranger things have happened. Well, yeah. it's caused problems with a lot of aircraft through the years. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, who knows? That makes more sense than most things. True. The only problem with that one is we can't really pick out the they. Yeah. Well, they are the missing people. Yeah. I guess. I guess so. That's probably yeah. the best way to so go with it. They, they really miffed this one. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that's it then. Um Wow. Yeah. Don't get used to that though. Cause I usually, I'm usually on board with the crazy stuff. But this one just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't hit me the right way. Maybe so. it's cause we live here now and, and I've experienced it. Yeah. Like, it's probably yeah, easier to go with the crazier yeah. stuff if you don't live here. Yeah. I believe UFOs. I believe there's a lot of sightings out here, but I don't believe UFOs have anything to do with this triangle on Alaska. No, it's just, it's, it's just the crazy part of the world. Yeah. So, so there you have it. Um, yeah, that concludes the Alaska Triangle. So I guess back to if you want to, if, okay, if there's a reason that you think the Alaska Triangle should be reconsidered by either of us, then, then you can email in um, at the freaky deaky pod at gmail.com or uh, shoot a DM or a comment or something on Instagram at the freaky deaky pod. No, Freaky Deaky Pod. Whew, that's going to take a few times to get used to. Find it. it it's surprisingly um, kind of common. But well, it's the it, logo. And if you have Alaska stories that are mm -hmm. that related in, to this. Yeah, with that, absolutely. Let us know. Or just Alaskan crazy story. I mean, yeah. we've already mentioned it's a different type of state. Yeah. So if there's stories, and even outside of Alaska. Yeah. We like stories. We really do like stories. And I like trying to convince you that, that shit's really weird out there. And you like convincing me that it's not. And that it's all normal. And it's everything's all like as it should be. Alrighty then. <laughs> Classic. Alright. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what next episode's going to be, but it'll be here soon. We'll figure it out. Until next time. Goodbye.
we're on to something.